This is Healthcare Strategies. This podcast was recorded remotely due to the coronavirus pandemic. As a result, the quality may be a little lower than our usual standards. We appreciate your patience as we practice social distancing. From all of us at Extelligent Healthcare Media, stay healthy, stay safe, and enjoy the latest episode of Healthcare Strategies. This is Jacqueline Point, and you're listening to Healthcare Strategies. There's no place like home, Dorothy chants in the classic movie Wizard of Oz. That's also a saying oftentimes heard in hospitals, skilled nursing facilities, and other healthcare organizations. Healthcare providers across the care continuum have long understood that patients would prefer to be home recovering than in a clinical setting. Home is also a place where the majority of a person's health happens. It's where patients eat most of their meals, get a good night's rest, and talk to their family and social support systems. But the healthcare industry has largely moved past the days of house calls as patient safety protocols advanced and clinical technology became too big to fit in a single physician's bag. The COVID-19 pandemic, however, once again pulled back the veil on patient homes, with regulatory and payer flexibilities enabling more providers to implement virtual care that place clinicians in patient homes with their phones and laptops. Now that these capabilities have been turned on, and innovative technology can fit in the palm of the hand, many providers and patients do not want to go back. That's where Moving Health Home comes in. Moving Health Home is a newly formed coalition of healthcare companies, including heavy hitters like Amazon Care, Intermountain Healthcare, and Landmark Health. The coalition is looking to fundamentally change the way policymakers think about the home as a site of clinical service. And joining us today is Chris Johnson, Vice President and Head of Corporate Development at Landmark Health, Chris McGovern, convener of Moving Health Home. Hi, guys. Hi, thanks for having us. Great to be there. Great. There has been an obvious shift in sites of care because of the pandemic. A lot of care moved home because of virtual care capabilities. But what trends have you been seeing with home-based care? And was this shift happening before the pandemic? I think in a way, we're seeing a move back to the future. You know, over, over the past several decades, we've increasingly seen the scope and volume of care delivered in the home reduced. Um, today, home, home health typically refers only to skilled nursing services or PT services that are delivered in the home. Uh, however, over the past decade, we've really started to see more innovative models um, generally enabled by the flexibilities of Medicare Advantage, emerge that better meet the needs of vulnerable populations in the home. Uh, Landmark Health is, is one of those models. We provide longitudinal medical care uh, in patients' home on a longitudinal basis, um, sending physicians and other advanced practice providers into patients' homes. This has been going on since prior to the pandemic. Uh, I think the pandemic itself really shone a light on the fact that there are many patients, many seniors across America who would greatly benefit from having a broad array of healthcare services delivered in the home. Yeah, and I'll just briefly build on that. I think Chris said most of the key points there, and Landmark has certainly been doing home-based care since you know before it was cool, for lack of a better term. But as he mentioned, the pandemic has really highlighted not just that seniors could benefit from home-based care, but also the demand for home-based care. So as more and more people experience the convenience of care delivered in their homes or, or via technology in their homes, um, what we're seeing are high levels of patient satisfaction and also 
um, increased consumer demand. And so now it's incumbent upon policymakers and others to figure out, you know, why wasn't this happening to a greater extent across the board prior to the pandemic? And how can we address those barriers going forward? Yeah, absolutely. One of the top priorities for Moving Health Home is addressing those barriers to home-based care, like you said. So what are some of these barriers that have prevented home-based care from happening, especially if you know, patients are seeing the benefits of home-based care and are, are enjoying it? Home-based care. I think what we've seen today is that all of the different parts of the healthcare system sort of reside in their own silos. So you have hospital care and you have outpatient care and you have home health, and then you have a whole array of services like personal services and caregiver services that aren't aren't really captured at all um, in most of our federal reimbursement structures. And so one of the things our coalition is aiming to do is really shine a light on the full complement of home-based care. So not just any one of those pieces, but really highlight how home-based care in a really comprehensive um, uh, model of home-based care can be effective um, in, in a range of different populations. It varies from program to program, I should say, but some of the common barriers are reimbursement structures that are misaligned. Um, in some cases, coverage policies. In some cases, licensure policies. In some cases, it could be rules around, you know, it's particularly in Medicare Advantage or other programs around network adequacy and what types of settings are allowed to quote unquote count towards the network requirements. So it really is going to require a holistic look at our policy structures and um, sort of a systematic tackling of a, a full range of different policy barriers. I know Landmark has had great success in markets like Medicare Advantage, but there are some barriers when you look at other programs, and I'll let Chris speak to that. Yeah, I, I think the, the one of the challenges that we've seen is the you know the infrastructure in healthcare is is based on a fee for service system where providers historically are paid a, a fixed sum of money for the services they provide. We at Landmark operate in a value-based construct, taking full risk for the total cost of care for our patients. And we need to do that because we know that delivering care in the home is less efficient than in a traditional clinic. And what I mean by that is you can see some clinics where a physician could see 16 to 20 patients in a day. And so they're able to see a, a really high volume and make very efficient use of their time. Uh, a home-based provider, our physicians are able to see five, six, maybe on a really good day, seven patients in their home. So it's inherently less uh, efficient. But what we find is that the care that's delivered in the home can be much more effective. And by effective, what I, what I mean is that uh, we're actually reducing the overall cost of care for those, those patients. We're helping them stay in their homes, not having to go to the emergency department, not having to go to the, uh, to the hospital and be admitted as an inpatient or be discharged to a skilled nursing facility. And by entering into value-based arrangements, which as Kristen mentioned, are available in the Medicare Advantage space, but haven't historically than as available in uh, traditional Medicare, we're able to actually get compensated for that care because we go at risk for the outcomes. So I, th I think that's one of the big, big challenges to home-based care is having to move from a system where we're really oriented around what's the volume and throughput that we can get at a clinic and more saying, hey, we're actually going to be paying more or, or investing more in preventative and, and primary care type services 
with the belief that that actually can reduce downstream medical costs and, and, and significantly improve patients' quality of life. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I write for the finance aspect of our site, so all too aware of the shortcomings of fee-for-service with implementing more innovative care delivery models. I think one of the areas that we're really excited about is uh, some of the work that the CMS Innovation Center is doing to try in, in their direct contracting demonstration to really try to allow providers to enter into value-based models with traditional Medicare beneficiaries, um, trying to tap into some of that innovation that's today generally happening on the Medicare Advantage uh, space. Yeah, absolutely. Clearly, value-based reimbursement structures are supporting home-based care. And you mentioned how it's in Medicare Advantage and you know creeping into Medicare. But what about the private payer side? Are you guys seeing that shift to value-based reimbursement on that side that's going to support home-based care? And if not, is that one of the priorities for moving health home? And I think with respect to the priorities of moving health home, you know, we are initially focused on public programs because we find that, you know, so much of the policies that are set in public programs influence what happens in the in the private sector. So you know, if Medicare were to adopt a policy or policies that helped enable more home-based care, we would expect that that would trickle over and have a significant effect even outside those programs. So that's really where we've been focused. I think we've have a number of policy priorities, particularly with respect to the Medicare program, and that's where we'll we'll spend our time initially. Um, but again, recognizing that certainly that's not the only piece of the healthcare system, but really an influential one as you think about what sort of moves the rest of the system. We focus traditionally on the on the senior population. And part of the the reason for that is that, that we see that's that's the area where you have the biggest population that needs uh, home-based care. We actually do have some relationships with commercial payers as well, but we find that the percentage of a commercial population that's appropriate for kind of intensive in-home models of care is, is significantly smaller than when you look at a Medicare population. That's probably an intuitive point, but that's one of the reasons why you see a lot more focus on the, the Medicare Advantage space and Medicare uh, space more broadly. I think the other interesting area where we'll continue to see a lot of innovation is also in the Medicaid space, uh, where there's also a high, a really high uh, incidence of members who need care and services in the home that aren't receiving them today. Put some numbers to it. You know, CMS has published data around like chronic disease burden in the Medicare population. And it's it's close to 20% of Medicare beneficiaries have uh, six or more chronic conditions, which is, is really kind of incredible to think about that. But you see that the need in that population is just really very great. And we have a, a Medicare population that's going to you know, start to creep towards 80 million seniors over the next decade, 80 million. That's that's suggesting that 20 million Medicare beneficiaries over the next decade might be appropriate to be receiving care in the home that don't have access to that care today. I think that that's really why we want to bring this, this coalition together. At Landmark, I think we were one of the early organizations that started to deliver home-based medical care but even us, we, we only have 140,000 patients over the course of just six years, which we're very, we're very proud of. But we're, we're really still just a drop in the bucket in terms of their true need out in the market. 
and I, the moving health home coalition, the goal is to really expand access so that all seniors who need home-based care have access to it. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for that. I want to touch on something Kristen was talking about earlier about how home-based care has really been siloed, as has other versions of care delivery models, just sort of the nature of healthcare at, the, at this time. So how are you guys teaming up to change all of that and move care to the home? How does collaboration come into play, especially since you have so many different types of stakeholders involved with the coalition? Yeah, and I think that's really one clear strength of our coalition um, is that, you know, the diversity of the, the different types of members that we have. So we have large hospitals and hospital systems. We have more medical practice type groups like Landmark. We have home health providers, um, which of course is a very specific part of sort of the home-based care delivery system. And we also have personal services members as well as health plans. So we really sort of span the spectrum um, as far as diversity of membership. And what that enables us to do is really um, share information about how home-based care is being prioritized in different parts of the healthcare system and different things, best practices that are working in different parts of the healthcare system, but then really think about more holistically how it should or could all be pulled together. So some of the things, for example, that our hospital members experience are obviously quite different than the things that our um, home health or personal services members might experience as as they deliver care. But it really enables us to have a view of the full spectrum. So what happens as a patient sort of transitions from a hospital or even before going to a hospital, you know, figuring out if there is a lower acuity setting um, where they could receive services safely. And then, you know, if not, maybe they do go into a hospital and then they come out and and they get some kind of care um, in their home or a range of different types of services, whether they're you know, hospital level services in the home or less acute services in the home, um, whether they're you know, targeted towards activities of daily living or, you know, really just sort of the full range. So it enables us to bring together, certainly um, the members have different priorities, but it really does enable us to sort of think more holistically and develop um, more comprehensive approaches that span the healthcare system. Yeah, I think Kristen said it really well that as a, as a, as a, uh, you know, a member of the coalition, I think one of the things that's really striking is the heterogeneity of the coalition members. Almost all of us have a unique, innovative model that we've uh, we've brought to market that meets the needs and, and really delights our consumers and our, our, our patients. The home is going to be a, an area where we just see healthcare innovation flourish um, and many new entrants be able to come in and really create solutions that drive tremendous impact and, and really reshape healthcare across the country. Um, and the barriers to entry, I think, are really exciting because unlike a health system, there, there's not a huge capital investment that you need often to get started in this type of care. So it's exciting in that regards. And I think it, it's it's an opportunity to bring lots of innovation into the marketplace. We want to make sure that as, as a member of the coalition, that, that the policy out there enables that. Um, we obviously, It will benefit Landmark, but we think it really will benefit a movement and a migration of healthcare out of the walls of the hospital, walls of the clinic, and back into patients' homes where it's, it's more convenient for them. So there seems to be a lot of potential around home-based care, and there's definitely been a lot of movement, especially since the COVID-19 pandemic. Where do you see home-based care going now, and is this the future of care delivery? 
I think it is. I mean, I think it's safe to say that it is. We, we wouldn't have started the coalition and have the members that we have if others didn't agree with us. Um, you know, as I mentioned, I think there are sort of trailblazers like Landmark who have been doing home-based care for a long time, but there are many Americans and seniors who didn't have an experience with it until the pandemic and now want that type of care and realize that more can be done in the home and are going to, I believe, start demanding it in increasing numbers from their providers. So we're at a real inflection point and that home-based care is only going to grow, particularly if we can get the policy incentives right. Yeah, 100%. You know, obviously we're biased a little bit at, at Landmark, but we really believe that the future of healthcare is in the home. And we believe that for th- three reasons. One, we think it's going to be what delights consumers. Um, they have a great quality experience. I think if you look at Landmark, our customer consumer satisfaction scores are in the, the mid to upper 90s consistently year over year. Um, it's just a great, great service. Uh, and, and because it meets patients on their terms. Uh, second is that the the quality and the outcomes are just tremendous in what they're doing, uh, especially for seniors and folks who struggle with chronic conditions. We see tremendous reductions in, in hospitalizations uh, in our in our patient population uh, and SNP days, both generally seeing twenty five percent reductions versus their experience prior to uh, working with Landmark. And then finally is just the the reductions in the cost of care overall. Um, We're able to see that the overall economics of the patient population that we manage are are improved by around 25%. Um, And that means that it's costing less to provide better care that patients really like by incorporating home-based care into the healthcare system. And and for those reasons, I I think that's why you're going to see just this continued migration towards the home. We'll always need hospitals, but I think we need to make sure that that home is uh, on an equal pillar as we move forward. Great. Thank you, Chris and Kristen. Great. Thanks for having us on. Thank you guys for having us. Listeners, we'd love to hear your thoughts about this episode. Feel free to reach out to us at podcast.extelligentmedia.com to share your thoughts. You can also use that email to let us know if there are any healthcare industry-related questions or stories you would like us to consider covering. If you like this episode and it sparked some thoughts for you, please head over to Apple and give us a few stars and a positive review. Thanks for listening. This has been an Extelligent Healthcare Media production. 